And at 12.09, away we go on this Wednesday, January 30th. Scott Warris in for Jeff Wagner. Eric Bilstad is here. Jordan Gazarowski continues the marathon producer shift. That is his Wednesday. We are at uh, 14 below right now. You know, it begs the question, begs a lot of questions, but it begs the question, yes, I realize that there are certain temperatures below zero at which it can do more damage to the skin, it can do more damage to people than others. It's 14 below right now. Does that, when you walk outside, does it genuinely feel any different than if it were 7 below or if it were 21 below? I... I contest that at some point it is so it's so cold that you really cannot sense a difference when you walk outside. It is so freezing that you really can't. Hey, you know what? It's five degrees colder now than it was no, this morning. You I can't agree. Tell anymore. I agree with you there, but it's the wind chill that does it. Because oh, when yeah. you walk out and there's no wind chill, yeah, you're, I think you can survive it just fine. But when that wind chill takes mm-hmm. every ounce of heat away from your body, no matter how bundled up you are, no matter how much coffee you've drank, everything is gone. You can like see the heat leaving your body, all blown off your body. To that point, maybe the most fascinating or incredible thing that I'm trying to wrap my head around right now is the fact that, let's say, look, in some areas, especially well inland, with the wind chill in the overnight hours, looking at 60, 65 below, correct? Especially inland. Mm -hmm, On Sunday, many people are going to see low 40s. That is a 100-degree temperature improvement but temperature change (laughs) period in the matter of three days four days where and i I genuinely ask this where on this planet (laughs) could you find a 100 degree change in the matter of three or four days honestly where 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 is that even something that is a regular happenstance that is incredible (laughs) a hundred we can sit here on Sunday and say, hey, remember four days ago when it was 100 <laughs> degrees colder when with the wind chill breaking off. than it is now? That is one of the most mind-boggling things to me. Yes, it is cold. Um, there, there's only so many different ways you can say it. There's only so many different ways you can spin it. But I did see something last night that made me ask the question, what is the single worst job to have on a day? Like this uh, today and tomorrow is going to be very similar in that respect. Um, I want to. I'll explain why I, what I saw last night, Eric. I'll explain why I thought of that and because of what I saw last night in a second. Um, later in the show, of course, we'll be with you till three o'clock. There are. I said I have a whole bunch of questions off this Foxconn. Is it a bombshell? Is that too strong a word? That's one of my questions. Is is this, is this kind of a o-blank moment that shouldn't be an o-blank moment for for people do we just need to kind of take a breath and step back and understand what was announced this morning if you read a lot of the headlines here's one for you here let me let me call it up here the headlines especially nationally are a lot more in my opinion are a lot more uh threatening doomsday ish than they should be here right now and you got obviously as always consider the source on the Drudge Report, drudgereport.com, right in the middle of the page, right underneath a less than flattering picture of Chris Christie, is the headline, Foxconn not building in Wisconsin after all, question mark? That's going to make people click on it. That 
is one of the most misleading headlines I've seen. That takes you to NBC News and the headline, Foxconn, may, this is verbatim, Foxconn may not build $10 billion Wisconsin plant that Trump touted. Is that what we learned today? Is, is that the case? That Foxconn may not build the $10 billion plant. Really? Did I miss something that was announced today? Maybe there's something in a press release that I missed. But that is, that's not, for as big a news as it may be, that is not at all what was announced. That is not at all what I'm gathering from this announcement. The 20 million square foot campus was praised by President Donald Trump as proof of his ability to revive American manufacturing. That's the NBC subheadline. There's a lot of misleading headlines out there. But there are questions to be asked. Valid questions to be asked. And we will ask those questions. I don't know how many answers we're going to get. I know what you know, right? We're all learning this together. But what is the freakout factor on this? And I think right now, at least in the morning hours, it has been a little bit more than it should be. But we can talk about the cold right out of the gate. And, and so here, here's what I find last night. It was about 9.15, 9.30, and I was I just kind of stuck my I opened the drapes and looked out uh, the balcony here yeah, in my apartment yeah, yeah. complex, and I see a tow truck. And I see a tow truck driver right across the street, and they're hauling off a car, which apparently did not start, clearly, or something was wrong with it. The tow truck driver is on his back, Half of his body is under the car, Ugh. and he's trying to hook up the the winch system to the underbelly of the vehicle so that it can be dragged up on the flatbed tow truck. And it, it got me to, to start thinking, what is the worst job that someone could have on a day like this when it's 14 below without the windshield? Easy. You've got a nominee? Firefighter. It's happening right now. There's a house fire in the falls that they're dealing with. And one of the issues of a house fire in this temperature is water being able to do anything when you shoot it out of your hose. It's not, it's, it freezes before it gets to the fire. And think about that in this temperature dealing with that, not only do you have flames, which can do significant damage to you and to other people, but you also have the temperature and then ice water that isn't actually putting out the fire. I'd say that one is number one. All right. Provided there's a house fire. If they're just so, sitting inside having okay. soup and watching so Judge fire. Judy, then that's okay. <laughs> that's what they do. Um, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, wow, that's uh, quite a speculation there. Um, 414-799-1620, Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This was the question that I had last night as I watched this tow truck driver at, at 9.30 at night when it was already below zero before the windshield was taken into account. I'm watching this tow truck driver shimmy his way under a vehicle parked in kind of a snow drift and along the side. What a horrible job to have. We know the Postal Service, there's no delivery today in many of the um, area codes, or many of the zip codes, rather, the zip codes that are experiencing this cold weather in the Midwest. We've had it here. So I, I don't know that on this day, anyway, you can maybe say that it's a postal employee or a mail deliverer, a mailman, as we used to call them back in the politically incorrect days. So I don't know that that that, that is a nominee necessarily on this day, but we can do this just for a couple of minutes. What's the worst job to have when it is 
at the moment, 14 degrees below zero. 414-799-1620 on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 414-799-1620. Scott Warris, in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Back at it on this Wednesday, this potentially record-breaking cold Wednesday. Where were you in 1996? I was in uh, 96, 96. Uh, high school, young high school student. We Obviously, Jordan, thank you for putting in perspective. You were a fetus. Uh, appreciate that. That makes us all feel great, Jordan. Oh, appreciate man. it, buddy. Um, what's the worst job to have on a day like this? 414-799-1620. Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Eric, you mentioned I said firefighter. firefighter. Although doorman, I wouldn't want to be either because you're going in and out and in and out. Yeah, but at least you're going in at some point. Yeah, I suppose. And if... And if you're not getting a lot of traffic at the hotel or the apartment complex, then you don't have to go out at all. A lot of people, as Jordan lines up the calls, a lot of people in the text line are referencing pretty much anything dealing with water. Public works, water main breaks. 414, worst job, repairing a water main break. There have been some of those today, too, by the way. Uh, 414, an HVAC technician having to go on the roof to work on the heating system is a bad job in this wind and cold. Anything that gets you... Maybe involved in water or out in the um, direct line of these strong winds. But uh, there really is no wrong answer, is there? Karen in Eagle, we'll start with you. Hey, Karen. Hi. Give me a bad job on a day like this. Well, my husband works at a trucking company, and he is on the dock. So the temperature outside is also the same temperature that's on the dock. That is a bad one because, yeah, you've got to keep the doors open for the most part, and you can't heat the outside, and you've got to let the cold exactly. air in. So you got to walk in yeah. and out and grab whatever the payload is? Is that Right, right, and, and there's, there's no forgiving. I tell you, he, was, uh, he worked last, last night uh, 12 hours, and that was because of the snow that happened the day before. Right. And then the truckers went out to get the freight, so they had to work extra long yesterday. And right. truckers are hard to talk to to begin with, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm a lot kidding. Of them called off yesterday. A lot of them called off. I bet. I bet. All right, Karen, we'll add that one to the list. Uh, the dock, work, working the dock at a trucking company. Um, Duffy in Hartford. Duffy, good afternoon. You're on WTMJ. Well, thank you for taking my call. And I agree with you that the fire department is one of the worst, but mm-hmm. Waterworks is my suggestion. I know eight different people that work there because I'm from Milwaukee. But those guys, when there's a water main break, they got a wall. You know, they walk around in that water all the time. They got to get the air hammers out and chisel a big hole, and they're constantly, constantly flooded with water all the time. And they, they can't leave the scene until it's fixed, and that's a terrible job. It, you know, the thing that gets me, and and that's a great, uh, a great one, Duff, is keeping your mind sharp in those situations yes that, that's that's probably one of the hardest parts how do you focus it's yeah, so it's yeah. so cold but at some point you just lose focus and you are more worried and, and more concerned about warming up than you are carrying out the function right for which exactly. you've been called to do outside exactly now the coldest temperature i've ever been in Mm-hmm. I was out just outside of Harrison Hills, and this is back in like '83 or '84. I'm not, I can't remember exact word, uh, uh, exact date. But what happened was we had a we had a 17 day stretch, and the warmest temperature we had 
It was 45 below. Mm. That was temperature. Where was this? This is uh, in Harrison Hills. It's outside of Rhinelander. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, what happened was my radiator, uh, my uh, antifreeze was set at 48 below. Mm-hmm. That night we hit 54 below and my radiator froze. Man. And I could not believe it. And that was the coldest temperature I've ever had in my life. So this is nothing, Duff. This is, you're just standing on your head. This is balmy weather for Duffy in Hartford. <laughs> Thanks for the call, Duff. Appreciate it. 414-799-1620 on the Akron Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What is the worst job to have on a day like this? Jeff Wagner off today, off the rest of the week. He was headed out of town to someplace warm, right? Florida. He was talking about it yesterday. Hope he got out. Hope the plane uh, took off for Jeff. Um, he'll tell us all about the warm temps when he gets back next week. He is Eric Bilstad. I'm Scott Warris. We're with you until 3 o'clock in the absence of Mr. Wagner. Talking about, just in general, the uh, worst job to have on a day like this. I nominated uh, tow truck drivers. Eric, a good one. The firefighters. We've heard from truckers or, or those who work the docks at a trucking company. Anybody involved in water, the waterworks folks, this is a good one, and I think... Brian in uh, Cleveland, Wisconsin. Brian, you've got one that I think a lot of people overlook every time the weather gets bad. No, uh, it's always the farmers. Yep, because we have we have to worry about if our feeding equipment is going to work, our um, milking equipment, everything. You have to worry that's all going to work and what's going to freeze up in the barn. And what What do you notice, if anything, different in the cows, Brian? Do they? Are they less um, less friendly? Are they a little bit more cantankerous in the morning when you get out there? Are they, uh, you know, what, uh, what is their mood on a day like this? They're kind of about the same as usual. <laughs> uh, we just have to feed them a little bit different. I think a little bit um, higher calorie feed hmm. just to keep up their strength a little bit better. It might go down the milk a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it isn't quite as bad as when we get those hot, humid days in summer that it's a little bit worse when the calls really go down and up. What about those ears? I, I, it seems like the the ears and the tail with temps like this. I mean, how do they? How do you I, protect? Am, them? am I crazy? Yeah. How do you protect that? No, they're pretty decent with about that. Um, there's a lot of blood that flows to the ears, believe it or not, mm-hmm. as well as the tail. As long as they stay dry and out of the wind, which most calls do nowadays. Right. They're pretty much in the barns. And. Brian, what time were you up this morning tending to them? Uh, a little after 5. And you'll be back at it again tomorrow morning, won't you? Pretty much so, yeah. And the morning after that and the morning after that. Now, Brian, I, to, 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 all the credit goes to uh, the farmers out there who have to get up, whether it's 13 below, whether it's uh, 103 degrees out, whether it's snowy. What, yep, that hey, is an, everything. An, yep. Everything. It doesn't matter. Uh, the, the cow's got to be milked, and uh, no matter the conditions, keep up the great work, and, Brian. And, and then hope the power stays on. And then, yes, right. yes, especially that. Brian, stay warm out there, and uh, all the best. Let's uh, squeak in one more. Jason and Mequon. Hey, Jason. How you doing? What is your uh, bad job on a day like this, or <laughs> a really rough job? 49 years ago in the North Atlantic, aboard a USS Hunley AS-31, a nuke subtender out of Holy Lock, Scotland. Weather like this, waves over 50 and 60 feet tall, breaking ice on the deck to keep operational gear moving. Um, you don't have it. You don't have anything to say about it. 
you got to do it. And under the adversity of the ship in a storm with this temperature, let me tell you, baby, you're oh. out, you're, you're, your teeth are rattling and your bones are crisp. Well, your your teeth are rattling, your bones are crisp, and you're obviously are, are you tethered then to the uh, yes to the yes, sub just to keep yourself from slipping and sliding and God forbid into the into the water. But um, wow, okay, yep. there's one I did not think about, Jason. Appreciate yep. the call. We're up against the news here. There's one I did not think about working aboard a sub and having to clear off the ice and whatnot from. Uh, the deck. Now, I don't know if that's. I assume that happens a lot, not necessarily in these parts, but in parts of the planet on very cold days. We'll do this for a couple more minutes. So, uh, Dan and Alex, Doug, Bob, John, hang on the line. We'll come to you after the news and um, just kind of trying to throw out some ideas and, I guess, in some ways, give credit to people who are doing some really rough jobs on a really, really rough day. 1237 on a Wednesday. Many of you are sitting at home listening in the warmth of your palatial estate. Scott Warris and Eric Bilstad with Jeff Wagner off today. He's off the rest of the week, and we'll be with you until Wisconsin's Afternoons, Wisconsin's Afternoon News at 3 o'clock. Gosh, we're watching the footage, and I, I wish we didn't have this coincidence, but we were talking, and we are talking, about the worst job to have on a day like this where it is this record-settingly cold and the thing or the, the job, Eric, that you mentioned was firefighters. Yeah. And here we're watching in Menominee Falls this pretty sizable house in Menominee Falls. And it's, it, what to say, it's going up in flames. Would that be an understatement? Yeah. This I, is. I, it's gone. Bad. I mean, there's no way they can repair that, I don't think. The whole inside looks, er, the center from the top appears to be burned out. And. It looks like, I mean, all that steam we're seeing, I'm assuming, is the water on this fire. Yeah. And what's so tragic about this is it sounds like everyone was able to get out okay, which is the most important thing. But when you have temps like this, they have been at that scene for a long time. I mean, when you have temperatures like this, I mean, that that water can only do so much when it's freezing right when it feels the air. So we're watching firefighters. Wow. We're watching them do exactly what we were talking about. Side note here, my eyes go up. Here's the headline right now on MS... Oh, no, they just switched it. On MSNBC, it just said, Foxconn may not build the factory that Trump touted. That's not true. All right, we're going to get into that. It just bothers me. Uh, we'll get into that in the next hour, I promise, or maybe before 1 o'clock even. Um, promise to get to these phone calls. Talking about the worst job to have on a day like this. Dan and Fond du Lac, good afternoon. You're in WTMJ. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Say, I want to go back a little bit about the farmers before I talk about the other one that I wanted to do, is the airplane guys that sit outside. Mm. But that being said, with the farmers, when they have to sit there and wrap their their pipelines with uh, hot pads to keep them from freezing so that all the 170 cows have to drink water, it is amazing how they pull that off. Mm-hmm. No, amen, amen to that. It, it is something that I think a lot of us overlook. We just do not consider the farming industry and dairy farmers and most, now specifically on days like this. Mostly the heat inside of that building is generated from the cows themselves, and that's about it, what they get for heat. Oh, yeah. So, so anyways, yeah. uh, back to what I wanted to say is the uh, airplane, airport, the guys outside, that they have to sit there and put the cargo inside their planes, and they have to dictate on how when a plane comes in or lands or 
do all that, that's got to be rough. Yeah, and think about that. Yeah, those guys who've got to drive the carts from the plane back to the luggage carousel and, and get you your bag either on the flight or on the carousel. It is, and, and they're layered up, mind you, and they have to be, but to, just to be out there, I, I hope, I, we, I heard Harold Mester, who's a spokesman for Mitchell this morning on the on, on Gene's morning show, and, and I heard him say, obviously, a lot of that falls on the individual airlines, yes. how yep. they handle their own employees, but you, you've got to think on days like this, and even on days that are warmer than this, but still very cold, that they take the precautions of kind of rationing the time they spend outside, and then maybe you've got a period of 15, 20 minutes indoors. I'm not sure what, but they've got to be go. smart about that. Yeah, for well, sure. Well, Lisa, I'll give it up to the farmers. They have, they don't have a choice. It's their deal. they got to do it 24-7. They don't have a choice because the cows are dictating yes, to them. The yes. cows dictate the industry. Thanks for the call, Dan. Alex, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Alex. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for making it. What is, uh, what, what's the job that you want to mention? I, I wanted to bring up the, uh, the U.S. Coast Guard Station uh, down here in Milwaukee and, uh, and the Coast Guard throughout the, the Great Lakes in general right now. Okay. On a day like this, just how active is the Coast Guard? I mean, obviously they're out there monitoring things year-round, but how do they operate on a day like this? I mean, yeah, they- uh, I'm, actually, I'm actually in the Coast Guard down here in Milwaukee, and uh, during the summertime, you know, all of our rescues are based out of boats, but obviously we can't use those now. So uh, it, sh- it shifts to a shore-based rescue uh, that basically involves uh, four guys in a truck and uh, using, you know, lines and uh, rescue slings to go and uh, grab anybody that would happen to fall through the ice. Someone so uh, we are out. Oh, well, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, ice fishermen or someone ice skating type of thing? Yep. Yeah, something like that, ice fishermen or uh, maybe a car accident, car goes off into the water uh, down in the port there. But uh, just yesterday, our guys were out training, and, you know, it's not as cold as it is today, but I think it was a high of, what was it, one, one degree yesterday, yeah, and they were out like there, and, and involved them getting in the water and, and doing that work. Now, Alex, have you ever been on one of those Coast Guard cutters? Because we know a couple of those are out just trying to clear some of the shipping lanes. Uh, I haven't been in the Great Lakes uh, down in Florida. I was on one, but yeah, the the icebreakers I know are are working right now, along with some of the buoy tenders. They're uh, shifting out some of the buoys too for the uh, we call them the winter marks. But maybe this is a dumb Alex. Maybe this is a dumb question, but why in the world were you training yesterday? Why is this a week for training? Why take well, that yeah, risk? I mean, you have to, you have to be ready to uh, to respond to the environment that we're working uh-huh. in, and uh, by getting our guys used to it and used to using the equipment and. You know, in the in the temperatures that they might get called out in, you know, they're that much more prepared to uh, to go out when the real call comes in. Have you been called? Have you been called into action this week at all? Nope not th- not this week. Uh, nothing specifically this winter uh, since freeze up. That is not good. Milwaukee, anyway. Alex, appreciate uh, what you do as a member of the Coast Guard. Keep up the great work. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty on the Acumen Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Doug in Sussex, you're up, Doug. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Thanks for making it. Uh, yeah, a lot of good suggestions, that's for sure. What's yours? Uh, you know what I worry about? The guys that switch out train cars in, in uh, industrial lots. You know, they handle all them iron, cold iron levers on the ground. Then they hang on to them cold uh, hoses that they got to connect each car with. And then they get to hang from a railing on a car as they go whizzing down the track to the next stop at 20 miles an hour. That doesn't sound good to me. <laughs> I'm surprised that a lot of that isn't automated, or or maybe you can only automate so much. There, there's still a a manual element that has to happen in the train car switching 
world. Oh, yeah, it would almost be impossible because the yeah. cars have a flexible rubber hose that they're that they're connecting from car to car, so every car has to be hooked up. There, and, the, uh, Doug, your comment reminds, and I don't remember, there was a movie. What movie was this? It had to be from the 90s, maybe the 80s. Yeah. And, and, and there's an ex-con, or an escaped convict, rather. And, <laughs> and he's on a speeding train, and he's taken a couple people hostage on this train. And the entire movie is based on... It's speeding through the snowy hills of, I don't know, Alaska or somewhere where it's just frigid. And they're navigating, going, being chased from car to car. And at one point, he has his hand ripped off because he's trying to separate the cars and separate himself from the guy's chase. This sounds like a great movie. What was that movie? (laughs) Didn't see it. The entire movie takes place on a train in sub-zero temperatures in the middle of a snowstorm. Oh, uh, I got to no, look not, it up. You're not talking about Unstoppable, the, the Chris no, Pine No, no, that was Denzel Washington happening in the middle of a summertime. That was a, that was a summertime oh. runaway train. Well, <laughs> what? Somebody's got to call in now at least and give us the answer. Oh, hang on. Wait, hang on. Is this is this Jeff? I got to look this up. Jeff and Fox Point is saying it was runaway train with John Voight. Was that oh. John Voight in the movie? Let's see. Yes! Runaway ah. train, 1985. All right, is it on Netflix so we can watch it tonight? There it is. <laughs> All right. It's a philosophical action thriller about two escaped prisoners who hide on board a train speeding through Alaska. Love the it. driver <laughs> suffers a fatal heart attack when the train races out of control through the icy wilderness with the railroad signalman unable to stop it and a vindictive <laughs> prison warden desperately pursuing them by helicopter. The train's passengers look set to face disaster. That's oh, it. Yeah. See, okay. look what you started, Dougie. Thanks for the call. <laughs> Appreciate right. it. Good job, Jeff and Fox Point. And Eric Roberts was in that, too. Yeah, of course he was. That's of Julie Roberts' uh, yes, brother. Yes, and he's in every movie. Oh, If you're looking for something to watch, Runaway Train, on a day like this, Runaway Train, John Voight, Eric Roberts, got 84% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. yeah. That's a good movie. I think I've seen that like on WGN Superstation. Yes, yes, yes. It's one of those that you'll find, uh, you know, at like one a.m. on a Sunday morning or a Saturday morning on the WGN when they're not running a Cubs broadcast, rebroadcast, or something like. That's what I think about every time I think about sub-zero temperatures. I think it's about this movie. movie. I must have seen it when I was a kid, and it just has left this indelible mark. In my mind. That'll be the next Jeff Wagner Pop Culture Corner. What does this weather remind you of? What movie? Hey, we're going to be here Friday for Jeff. We can make it the Pop Culture Corner on Friday. Wow. 414-799-1620. All right, Jeff and Fox Point. Runaway Train is the movie if you're looking for it. I'm not we'll surprised look. Jeff from Fox Point <laughs> no, knew that, by no, the way. No, Jeff. Uh, he's a frequent texter. He's watching it right now. 12.50. Jeff Wagner is off. I'm Scott Warris with Eric Bilstad. Jordan Gazarowski is producing the show here this afternoon. Somebody else recommended Snowpiercer with Chris Evans. That's another movie set in a frigid, on a frigid train, on a train. Set in a future where a failed climate change experiment kills all life on the planet except for a lucky few who boarded the Snowpiercer. A train that travels around the globe where a class system emerges. No, I was talking about Runaway Train, 1985. John Voight. Wow. Doesn't look like John Voight. But it's John Voight. Anyway. All right. Uh, He has been very patient. He's in Wauwatosa, and it is John. We're talking about some of the worst jobs 
to be had or to have on a day like this. Hey, John, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you doing today? Staying warm, as I hope uh, everybody is. What is your job that you want to add to the list? Um, I don't know if they're doing any downtown bridges uh, this year, but uh, back in the early 60s, I worked on the Broadway Street Bridge, and it was 28 degrees below zero, mm. and the river had frozen, and underneath those bridges, it was like a wind tunnel. Oof. And the millwrights and electricians had to be out there in that all day long. I think that was the coldest I've ever experienced in anything. And, of course, uh, you know, I think maybe you fast forward now, here and now, what if one of those bridges, what if it somehow malfunctions? Now, obviously, they're not operating right now because the river's frozen and there aren't ships going underneath or boats going underneath. But Good point. If, if, if one of those bridges should... I don't know, some sort of malfunction right now. You, you, you need that thing to be working. So, all right, John, that, that is a good one. Electricians that have got to be out there. Um, stay in Wauwatosa. Hey, Troy, good afternoon. You have a nominee. Hey, how are you doing this afternoon? Good. What is, uh, what's the one you wanted to bring up? Well, the one thing, well, you know, I uh, heard you guys talking about the fire in Nami Falls. So my number one would be, a firefighter, as I was a former firefighter in Menominee Falls, that's a hard job during the winter. And then my second would be, before I was a fireman, I was a utility locator. So you guys are talking about, you know, water main breaks and these different things. Well, the guys who have to go out there and locate these things and find the water mains and find the, the electrical lines, usually they're on the curb. So you're in like four or five feet of snow walking all day trying to find these lines so that they don't get hit or, you know, when the crews go and dig up the water mains or different things. So that's a tough job to be out here right now all day long in the cold, locating electric lines, gas lines, but water Troy, lines. But, Troy, is, is, is that utility locator job, is that still something that has to be done on a day like this? Yes, it has to be done all the time, 24-7. If, if there's a water main break, if there's a gas leak, if there's an electrical line down, you got to be out there, and you have to be there the whole time that the crew is there. So, like, for instance, like uh, when I was a locator, a, uh, a terminal blew up down by uh, Summerfest in the middle of wintertime. I was out there for eight hours with the electrical crew out there locating electrical lines in the snow, putting flags, painting. And then you can think about it, when people drive in the street, they run over the, the – the paint, so it gets washed away. So then you're out there again, re-putting the lines down so they know where everything's at. So that's a tough job in the middle of the winter when it's cold like this. Hey, Troy, Scott made a good point earlier. What about, how do you, how do you concentrate? How do you focus well, when you're this cold? It, it, it is hard. You know, you gotta, you gotta get back in your truck and get warmed up every, you know, 15, 20 minutes because when it's this cold out there, you know, you're out there and within five minutes you're froze. You know, and especially if you're walking in deep snow, you're cold. So you got to get back in your truck and, and warm up and then get right back out there. So it, it's hard, but, you know, you got to do it. That's what the paycheck calls for. It does. And there are those jobs, and that's one of them, where if something goes wrong, it has got to be addressed right away. You can't wait for it to get back exactly. above zero. Yeah, it, it's, it's an emergency situation. You have to get out there right then, right now and make sure that uh, people are able to, like, again, if it's a water main break, people will get their water cut off. you got to get out there and locate it so people can get back online. If it's an electrical line down, if somebody hits a pole, you know, you got to get out there and locate that stuff so people can get back online. Mm -hmm. and all of our stuff now is, you know, 
we're online with everything. So if your electric goes out or your cable goes out, you need that right away. So the locators who are out here who do that job, it's a hard job. It really is during this time. You sold me. Thanks for the call, Troy. Wow, that is a tough one. And let's squeak in one more here. Jeff in South Milwaukee. Hey, Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Uh, food costs are good. Well, the only caveat now is that I mean, today, as most schools are closed. Yeah, but, but used to be we stood out and had stuff. You are a crossing guard? Yes. And you were out there yesterday? Yes. Schools were, I thought, were, were schools uh, open no, yesterday? No, no, the schools were open Some, yesterday. There were a couple that right. shut down, but... Wow. And the, I had a couple of parents complaining about the, that they don't close like <laughs> that, like they used to. That is... Well, see, I, I would always say just the opposite. Like, you, people always yeah. say, back in my day, the schools never closed, yes, right? and the school yeah. is always uphill. Jeff, you do mm-hmm. a good job, and uh, it, a lot of it is just uh, the integrity and the safety of the kids. Yeah. That, that's why you do it. You're not doing it for the perks, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the call, Jeff. Appreciate it. Uh, let's uh, squeak in one more here. Let's go to Don and Grafton. Don, you're on WTMJ. This is a good one, Don, and we have not mentioned it. Yeah, try being a garbage man, being in a rear load truck, having to get in and get out, grab the carts out of the snow drift, oh. your feet are freezing, oh. your body's frozen. Oh. It's, it's not fun. I did it for 15 years, and uh, I figured I'd be smart, and I'm driving a semi. That's not fun either. I'm coming down 43 <laughs> from Green Bay right now, and yeah, it's interesting. But it is yeah, but, being a garbage man. Yeah, yep. that was not fun. Thanks for the call, Don. Okay. That is a. Uh, there was somebody who texted in something similar to that. Uh, yeah, garbage removal. Uh, where was it? That here? would be tough, especially because a lot of the garbage, if people put it out before the plows go through, it's like half buried. You got to like dig out that can. Yeah, the nine two zero said, "I work for Advanced Disposal Private Garbage Company, and we are picking up garbage today." Plus, because some aren't, they, they've suspended some, especially for the cities. Different cities, municipalities have suspended their garbage pickup right now. But uh, this uh, person says, "No, we're picking up garbage today. Plus, we are resident." We get out at every stop. We don't use the arm trucks. But he does say, or the 920 does say, it's a dry cold. (laughs) If it's a dry heat, can it be a dry cold? (laughs) Perhaps. Look, there is no right or wrong answer. We've certainly had a whole slew of uh, careers and jobs that have to happen, whether it's right now 11 degrees below zero before you even take into account the windshield. Or whether it's a beautiful 75 and sunny. Things have to happen. Life moves on. Life goes on for a lot of people. And, uh, man, if you're out there doing it, more power to you. 110, Scott Warris, along with Eric Bilstad, in for the vacationing Jeff Wagner. It's funny how Jeff was able to uh, coincide this vacation to a much uh, much warmer weather climate. Coincided with the record-setting cold... He's a savvy radio veteran. He was worried, though. He was worried his plane may not get out today. But then what do you do? Just sit in the air like all day or just delayed well, just for a few hours? Because of the conditions and everything and else. Then I mean, you they're... sit in the Sky Lounge, you pop a few <laughs> Jack and Cokes, and you just take it in stride. Well, it's possible that's where he's at right now. We do not have that confirmed that he got on the plane. Uh, our good friend Jeff in Fox Point is now sending me everything I ever wanted to know about the movie Runaway Train. (laughs) It is not available on Netflix. It is available via Amazon if you subscribe to Stars. Not available on Blu-ray. Is available on DVD and various options, such as a double feature with Breaker, Breaker, starring Chuck Norris. 
Uh, Jeff suggests you just wait until it comes back on WGN. <laughs> that could happen. Um, I'll, we'll get to the Foxconn thing in just a second. I was reading uh, the Brewers have announced a, their promotional schedule. Okay. Everybody, you know, everybody, as if they're going to have problems selling tickets. They're not going to have problems selling tickets. But as if they needed any other reason to come to a game, because the team is very good, if you haven't heard. The bobbleheads this year. Jesus Aguilar, everybody shows up for a bobblehead. It could be the Bat Boy. Mm-hmm. It could be the bullpen catcher. It could be the Marcus Hanel bobblehead. Sure. Um, bobbleheads this year are Jesus Aguilar. Yasmani Grandal hasn't even played a game in a Brewers uniform, but he's already going to have a bobblehead. Well, no, they, he won't be in a Brewers uniform for that bobblehead. He'll be wearing a Dodger. I'm just kidding. He'll be, he will just be. Just kidding. He'll be and, and then the baseball, which is, you know, can't catch it. He had problems in the playoffs. <laughs> and Christian Yelich, there's the big one. Well, what? He did. He was horrible in the playoffs. Christian Yelich with his National League MVP and Silver Slugger awards. Now, here's the one. You have to explain this to me. Other giveaways this year will include a Brewers-themed fanny pack. Now, fanny packs, are those a thing? Because oh. I, rem- I I think I had a fanny pack when I was like eight you know, late '80s, early '90s, fanny packs were the thing. Now, explain to me I, I, why I, fanny packs are something to be given away. Is that is that is it a comeback for the fanny pack? Maybe a different type of pack, like not quite the one that you remember. Maybe it's more of like a shoulder strap one with a little pack. No, then it'd be a shoulder. But this is, says fanny oh, pack. Oh, all right, it's going to sit on your fanny. A Brewers theme fanny pack. Our fanny packs back seven nine nine. Jeff, Jeff is Jeff is at home listening to the show, going, "Are they really taking calls on fanny packs? This is this is who they put in charge in of my out. show when I'm gone." Fanny packs in or out? Fanny packs like them. It's a like them or hate them Wednesday. Four one four seven nine nine. All right, let's talk Foxconn. Everybody, just calm down for a second. I think this, like so many stories, if you just read the headlines, I think a lot of people, especially nationally, are going to think one thing when it's not quite as severe as the headlines would lead you to believe. I used the example before. The headline as it sits right now, I was just looking uh, on the Drudge Report, the headline is Foxconn not building in Wisconsin after all? It's a question mark. It's raised as a question. You click on it. It takes you to the NBC News story with the headline, Foxconn may not build $10 billion Wisconsin plant Trump touted. Is that what we were told today? I don't think that is at all what we were told today. Now, what we found out today... And I've got a series of questions. I'm not so much going to be providing. I don't have answers to anything. Uh, if you'd like to weigh in, 414-799-1620, Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And it may very well be with your own question. Because I really think this is one of those stories right now where we all have a lot more questions than answers. What we found out earlier today, broken by Reuters, is that Foxconn has announced that they're not going to be making the... The uh, LCD screens, those television screens that were, uh, let's be honest, they were a big part of the show and the show and tell in the demonstrations in selling Foxconn to people and in, in making, you know, 
news and headwaves. That was a big part of the production element of this entire ordeal, this entire complex. And we find out today that that is not going to be part of the project. That's simply because of several factors. That is just not something that Foxconn and their chairman, Terry Go feel is going to keep them on the cutting edge of what they do and of technology. And technology changes and shifts. And uh, apparently there are other nations out there now that are beating them when it comes to the manufacturing of that. And it's cheaper to get them built elsewhere, other countries, than in the U.S. So that's just not a feasible business strategy anymore. That is what they announced earlier today. Now, what does that mean? That means that Foxconn has announced that their original goal of 5,200 jobs by the end of next year, by the end of 2020, that has now been readjusted to 1,000 because of how the workforce is going to be comprised now. And it won't be, yeah, it won't be manufacturing jobs. There will be some manufacturing jobs, but a lot of it will be different. It'll be more white-collar type of stuff, research, lab work, that type of thing. R&D, yeah. Rather than assembly line manufacturing type positions. So, And you can argue, okay, that's fine. It's one job or the other. The problem is, or this is what people are going to grab onto, is that this is what was promised, manufacturing jobs. That was the key. This was what we were going to offer and get from the likes of Foxconn. Does this mean that no jobs will come? No, it, there's still going to be an opportunity for employment. It's just it's dramatically different than I think what many people had anticipated when this first started. So there are, and I think there are questions to be asked in this, and that's what I want to do uh, for the next few minutes because that that's all we can do quite not, uh, quite honestly. Um, we can tell you though that uh, the Evers administration has put out a statement this afternoon. They say that while they have, I'm paraphrasing now, while they have been in regular, you know, weekly talks with the folks at Foxconn and trying to stay up to date, the Evers administration does say that they were kind of caught off guard in this announcement, like many of us were this morning. They were not aware that this announcement was coming. Uh, By every indication, the... uh, Governor's office was not given a heads up. This was not something that they had been alerted to, even though they are in regular contact. So it really did catch, I think, everybody here in the Badger State off guard, including the highest of the highs in the governor's office. The the first question, and, and this is a question that is, I think, applicable for a lot of different situations and a lot of different stories. What did they know, and when did they know it? At what point did Foxconn know that what we had sold the state of Wisconsin on as to our product, our, our one of our primary products to be coming off the assembly line, at what point did they know that they were no longer going to be making those LCD panels, those screens? At what point did they recognize, okay, this is not going to be a profitable or a realistic object to be made. This is not going to be worth our time. This is not going to be worth our money. This is not going to be worth the commitment. When did they know they weren't going to be making those? And how long ago? And should they have maybe preliminarily said something? Did they put feelers out? Are there members of 
any number of organizations, let alone elected officials, who were maybe given an alert, tipped off to this. Am I wrong to ask that question? No, I think... Did they owe that to people, or was this the announcement that I'm looking for? So this idea of producing these large screen displays for TVs... That was something that was initially planned. Mm-hmm. Other consumer professional products as well would be worked on. Uh, they later decided and announced that they would build smaller LCD screens. Mm-hmm. Now, those plans may be scaled back or even shelved completely. The company still evalu- evaluating options, according to Reuters, but cited the steep cost of making advanced TV screens in the U.S. where labor expenses are comparatively high. Mm-hmm. But I guess my what, can, what surprised me about that is... Wouldn't you already know that? Wouldn't we already know all of that? That knowing what the the price range is in the U.S. compared to other places, that's why the incentive package and everything was created in the first place. I mean, Terry Go tells the Reuters, in terms of TV, we have no place in the U.S. We can't compete. Mm-hmm. Well, if you can't compete, why was that ever, ever even on the on the forecast? Why was that even ever part of the plan? I mean, is it just recently this happened now? Is it because of uh, the economic change that we now seem to be in? I mean, we hear about iPhones now and the, and the selling of iPhones that is dropping in some spots. One of the comments, and I think it was attributed to Terry Go, that Foxconn made was that in the time that it has taken for this Mount Pleasant factory to kind of get off the ground, there have been a couple of factories in China that have sprouted yeah, up okay. and have already begun making these very same screens. So it's just not a feasibly um, uh, advantageous decision from a business perspective. That is one of the questions that I think people are asking themselves right now. 414-799-1620. You can take this any number of ways. You can just simply react. I Well, I won't get to the political element of this. Maybe somebody will. Um there's a lot to ask for this, but through it all, the headlines that this factory is not being built, that the the only real tangible announcement, the only real hard and fast change from what we know now to what we know twenty what we knew twenty four hours ago is that the the goal of fifty two hundred employees by the end of twenty twenty is now one thousand. And the items that will be being that will be produced are not going to be those monitors any longer. And the jobs, especially in this first round of hiring, those jobs are not going to be assembly line, primarily manufacturing jobs. They're going to be research and development, more as the term, you know, is white collar jobs. Does that impact the overall goal of 13,000? Heck yeah, it does. I think it does. Mm-hmm. I, I always thought, Eric, I don't know about you, I always thought that 13,000 was, I, 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 I don't know if it was, it was unattainable, but it was, it was, it I don't know how realistic high. it yeah. ever was. It pretty high. The reason that, that I always brought up was, where are those jobs going, from where are those jobs going to come? There's not 13,000 people standing in line in unemployment going, okay, first 13,000, you got a job. Those For jobs R&D would have, especially. Right. Those jobs would have to come from somewhere else. I was never sold on where these 13,000 people come from but exactly. But the assembly type job would be easier for many people to yes, get. Yes. That's the, yeah, right, right. You, not only have you obviously gone from a, a potential pool of 5,200 applicants to 1,000, because you only need 1,000 now, but you have changed the, 
what, resume requirements for these jobs, right? These are higher-level jobs. More is going to be asked out of these 1,000 hirees, hirees, hires, than you would 5,200, right? There's more to be asked in R&D than there is working in assembly line. Milwaukee Business Journal is also working on this story. Of course, we've had Sean Ryan and Rich Kirchin and the crew on the air plenty of times regarding Foxconn, and they are reporting now that Louis Wu is re- confirming their commitment to Wisconsin that they say they're proceeding with their $10 billion project and they believe that part of the Reuters story is inaccurate to suggest that they are not going to stay committed to Wisconsin. Hmm. There, no matter where you come down on this, there is definitely a certain freakout. Well, right. They're not <laughs> building a factory. That has happened, which isn't true. They have not, correct me if I'm wrong, they have not said we are going to be limiting our construction mm-hmm. plant. We're going to be restricting the amount of acreage we now need in Mount Pleasant. None of that has been mentioned, right? Am, am I no, I, I'm not genuinely asking you. Am I missing something? No. no. They're still planning to build the same footprint in Mount Pleasant that they were before. Does that change eventually? I don't know. But that, that was not the announcement right now. It's not as if they're pulling construction vehicles off the property saying, whoa, never mind, we don't need this much space. We don't need this much room. We only need half of the, of, of the property that we originally thought. And the state incentives, a lot of that was connected to some type of hiring. That's another question people have. What does this mean for all the financial elements tied to it? That's what you and Steve are talking yep, about. I yep. know John Mercure is going to have a bunch later this afternoon. The good news is, by all indications, there are enough safeguards in that massive financial package. What's what's the what's the keyword? Um, Incentive? Uh, no, uh, 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 clawbacks. Ah, That's clawbacks. the word you're going to hear. That's the word. <laughs> he, he, here's an early nominee for word of the week. Clawbacks. <laughs> Every t- our secret word of the day is clawbacks there are enough clawbacks that should protect us as taxpayers from getting hosed in this deal when you look at what has been promised what has been given Mm -hmm. if they don't make uh, make and meet certain requirements they're only going to get certain financial incentives based on the package structure there's a lot to, to to unpack and there's a ton of questions and we've got calls and we got texts and we'll get to it all Foxconn, are you freaking out about Foxconn? 414-799-1620 on the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. In short, if you are, take a breath, calm down. Here's another question I have on Foxconn. As a technology company, is it not their commitment and do would we not want them to constantly be evolving? and try and be on the cutting edge of their industry? There was a great quote by Tim Sheehy, uh, who joined uh, Steve's show this morning. We'll bring that in the next segment. And he made a great analogy. And I really, I like what he said, because it does raise the point of, do you not want, when you're in this business, is this not a business? Is this not a company that is constantly looking to be ahead of everybody else and needs to evolve and let's be honest, if these LCD screens, which, yes, brought these jobs, this other chunk of jobs, if, if, if these are not useful in society, if this is not the way to continue a successful business, what is the point of churning them off an assembly line? 
if they're just going to stack up and not be moved. That's not a successful business model. A lot of calls, a lot of texts, and uh, a lot of questions. And we'll get to those. 138. Scott and Eric, Jeff is off today. He'll be back on Monday. We're with you the rest of the week. 414-799-1620. Parsing through this announcement by Foxconn earlier today as broken by Reuters that, well, the goal now 5,200 jobs by the end of next year. I'm sorry. The goal is 1,000 jobs, no longer 5,200 jobs by the end of next year. And uh, reconsidering the plans to make those LCD panels simply because it's not as feasible as it was a year or two ago due to the uh, business climate in that technology world and in that uh, that era or that uh, genre of um, industry. And the jobs that are going to be had in that 1,000 goal of next year, maybe not so much assembly manufacturing jobs, which was the big, a big selling point. It's going to be research, development, uh, white co- more white-collar jobs is the real short way of putting it. A lot of questions. I don't know how many answers we have because this is a developing story and we're hearing from all the different parties now as the day unfolds. So I don't know that uh, we're going to have any answers for you, but you can certainly jump on the question train with us. <laughs> That's what we're doing as well. Let's uh, start with uh, Steve on the east side. Good afternoon, Steve. You're on WTMJ. Thank you, my call on this whole day. Yes. I, I, uh, once again, uh, when this announcement came through with Trump and Walker, I said that the situation is you are not going to get 13,000 workers uh, in, a, in an area where you have a climate of transportation, you're going to have housing issues, and the technology that Foxconn does is outdated, period. I said that from day one. I said you're not going to be able to achieve that goal. This does not surprise me that they're down to a thousand jobs. Now, here's the other shoe that's going to cap that's going to drop. They're not going to build all those spaces. You can keep dreaming, hoping, and praying. This does well, we don't know that. Up. We don't. All we know is that the goal of one thousand. I'm sorry. The goal of fifty-two hundred by the end of next year is now one thousand. Let's just work on what we know right now. It, 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 but the biggest part of this economic shoe is that these panels are outdated. And I know you're saying go by with that, but let's not live in a dream here. I'm going to predict right now, once again, it's not going to happen. This whole Foxconn plan is going to implode. Thank you. I'll hang up and listen. Uh, see, okay, here, here's one thing. I, I'm not a big believer in the I told you so. I, they, I, I don't see this as an I told you so. Now, were there certain flags that were raised when you talk about the overall Foxconn deal? Sure, because of uh, maybe some of their track record. Of course, the story out of Pennsylvania got plenty of traction and some of the troubles they had um, with uh, plans in Pennsylvania some years ago and having to pull out of that and whatnot. It, it certainly gives people pause to say maybe there's more or there should be more trepidation than I originally had when I was all for this Foxconn deal. Right. I don't like the... And, and look, Steve, from the east side, if you want to play the I told you so card, if you're saying that the entire project is now going to crumble, that's a step way too far. That is not what has happened right now. That is, There's no indication that that will happen. If you want to say, on the other hand, well, this could be the beginning of it, then the, it's got to start somewhere, and maybe this is the beginning of the avalanche, and what... 
I, I guess I, I can't. I can't refute that. I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but I, I'm not ready to jump off the cliff. One question would be, who will take these jobs? That's always been an issue. But when you eliminate the manufacturing jobs, because there will be significantly less manufacturing jobs now, it appears. What does that do to your job pool? applicant party of people, right? I mean, it, it's completely different now. And will you still be able to make a technology hub, a research hub, like they say they, they want to? They say they're, they remain committed to the $10 billion project. That's what they're saying today. Right, which would obviously uh, contradict a lot of the headlines that you may see, especially on the national broadcasts and uh, cable news networks and whatnot. Vincent on the Northwest side weighing in. Hi, Vincent. Good to hear from you. Good afternoon. You know, what's troubling to me about this Foxconn story is that uh, the Foxconn has had a history of uh, basically uh, reneging on, on, uh, on its promises. And you mentioned the Pennsylvania issue, uh, debacle that they went through a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and, and how they pulled out of there. And also my point is it doesn't matter to me if they build a plant or, or a facility built for, for 13,000 people when and basically right now look like you're only going to average three thousand people, it, 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 the, the footprint it, it doesn't match what you what you what you're promising, and so 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 what are they going to do with that extra space that they're going to have in, in, in that particular plant? If they create, all right, let's let's go with those. If in the end they don't get the thir- the magical 13,000 number and i think people were smart to be a little bit skeptical of that all along for other reasons that we've kind of touched on if they don't get the 13,000 if it's in the let's say 3 to 5,000 that, that that's just a number okay Th- 3 to 5,000 when it's all said and done there's 3 to 5,000 jobs created by this project is that a bad thing vincent well, I think because of the incentives that, that, that were put into place and the fact is that the infrastructure that, we're, that, that the taxpayers are paying for, it is, 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 is it a, a great deal? And that's what, it, that's what it's going to come down to. Well, if, but, if you're, but, only, if you're only producing three, three to 5,000 jobs okay. and you promise 13, that, that, that's, less than, that's, that's almost less than But there are, that. but right, okay, no, I understand. But there are... Uh, what was what's the word of the day? The clawbacks. There are those safeguards in that massive deal, that bill, that agreement. There are safeguards that if Foxconn does not meet these different goals and do not get to certain um, expected uh, outcomes, then that limits the amount of incentives they're getting. Does that not give you, should that not give us as taxpayers a little bit of a, uh, uh, okay, I feel a little bit better now knowing that it's not all everything up front. Here you go. Here's the gift. You got it all, and then you failed to live up to your promises. There are safeguards. Shouldn't that make us feel better? It does make me feel better that the taxpayers won't be on the hook for all of the money that was promised. Uh, But the the point is, is that Foxconn, Foxconn, if they're, if, 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 this is this is a, a bad first step when you're talking about just trying to build a plant, build a plant for the next next seven, for mm-hmm. the next decade. This is a horrible first step when you missed Mister Mister Goals. That is a great point. Appreciate it, Vincent. Call again. Always good to hear from you. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. 
They can spin this any way they want. But while I look, I said there is uh, panic by some, there's freaking out by others, there's I told you so's coming out of a lot of people right now. And all that is true, but you also have to admit, this is not a, from a PR standpoint, from what Vincent said, you talk about getting off on a good step, they've been pretty good along the way. This is not a good day for the image of Foxconn in this state. Optics are a little rough looking, you're right. For something Uh, like this, though, like with technology, though, I, I mean, technology changes all the time. Yes. Right? So with that... You would assume that, yes, you're going to change course, you're going to change things up. You have to evolve. Yes, evolve. But given that, why would you ever say, oh, we're going to build this thing, in the, in, knowing that there's always this evolution and change to technology, it seems strange now to shut down. I mean, we've heard before about panels and what was going to be made. Now we're hearing again, okay, we're not going to do this. It seems like it's... <laughs> so it tells you what about? Either they were what? Either they were... Uh, swinging dare, and missing, dare we say swinging and missing or evil. wrong they were just flat out wrong right that mm-hmm. they knew yep, yep. or what that they were lying right okay that they oversold us on something that they knew in the back of their minds look a year two years from now this may not be the item that is on the cutting edge and this may not be a, a, a feasible item for us to produce at these quantities in the United States well, right and they said that they said that in the Reuters thing today in terms of TV we have no place in the US we can't compete citing the steep costs of making advanced TV screens in the US and they didn't Can know you this imagine if we would have heard that before <laughs> a couple of years ago hey we can't well, compete that's why now, I say. obviously there's always a change everything economics I get it sure. are different now iPhones are a lot different now than they were before. We, just even recently, that's a last couple of months. You've really seen a change mm-hmm. in Apple stock, especially too. I mean, you you have to evolve with the times if you want to look at it from that angle. Hey, this is good. Do it now before you build a giant manufacturing plant that you're not going to work with. We'll play the Tim Sheehy cut after the break because Tim Sheehy was on with uh, Steve Scafidi. He made that very point. I think he made an interesting analogy. We'll share that with you next and uh, more calls. On the Foxconn announcement today that the goals as we head to 2020 are not going to be what uh, we thought they would be. And it's a bad day for Foxconn. No matter how you paint it, it's not a good day. Terry, go. Scott and Eric, 414-799-1620. Okay, let's play this clip because I feel like I've been teasing it for the last 45 minutes. So to the point you made, Eric, about staying on the cutting edge and is Foxconn smart to just churn out these LCD panels because we promised to, even if it's not a smart business decision, Tim Sheehy, uh, president of uh, Metropolitan Milwaukee Association of Commerce, MMAC, was on with Scafidi earlier, right? We don't want to say to Foxconn, look, you signed up to make a buggy whip factory as the first cars roll out on the assembly line. In other words, they're not going to make an investment and we don't want them to make an investment that isn't going to be successful sure. in an industry that changes rapidly. I love that analogy. That, that That's perfect. Are you supposed to be so stubborn as to, well, we promised we'd churn these things out. We're not selling them. No one's buying them. This particular product is uh, being made cheaper elsewhere, but we promise. So, but no, you, you, that's not successful business, right? Uh, let's go back to the phones here, shall we? All right, let's play the politics game. Dan in West Bend. Hey, Dan. Yeah, hey, thanks for taking my call. 
Yeah, to me, it's pretty obvious. I mean, Foxconn is a, you know, multi-million, maybe even billion uh, company. And, you know, they didn't, they didn't decide to invest here without a lot of strategic planning, a lot of, you know, potential scenarios playing out. So I think they look way ahead. And I think the only thing that's really changed in, you know, is the fact that we have Evers as a governor. I just honestly believe that, they know the international competition for manufacturing. You know, they know that it's cheaper other other places around the world. Mm-hmm. But they chose to do it here because you know of our economy. And we think about it per capita. We are the we are the uh, the largest growth in manufacturing in the country. I mean, Texas beats us, but they're a lot larger in population. And I think I just think they don't have the confidence in in Evers. I mean, he's going to be. The most liberal administration that we've had in the in the history of the state, with all the people he's been bringing on in his in his staff, and I just think they're, they're losing confidence. And I think they're they're thinking, you know, I got to make an alternative plan in order to keep our business successful. And if that means I have to move that because Wisconsin is no longer be being sensitive, and you know, to but the to deal's already in place, yeah, Dan. The deal's already done. It's a law. I mean, it, it, it's written into law. Well, that doesn't mean that they don't have the prerogative to change things that they think that the business climate in Wisconsin is now going to change in a very liberal administration. I will I mean, say, I, I will say this, Dan. I, I believe, and I know Mercure is working this story, and he's got some more details on it that he'll have on the afternoon show. I do believe there is a definite change in the relationship when it comes to the new governor and the former governor. They had a very tight relationship with former, former Governor Scott Walker, so there may be a little bit to what you're saying. But the one thing to point out, too, they had to know the climate that they were getting into. Thanks for the call, Dan. To just assume that Governor Walker was going to win re-election, and then if he doesn't, we'll just pull the plug, so to speak, which isn't what's happening. That is- but I, that seems awfully short-sighted to make the investment and then say, yeah, you know what, new governor, hmm. all right, we're done. There is something to be said for the fact that Scott Walker and Terry Go forged a great, yes. just, dare I even say, friendship. Yes. You know, a business relationship, but a friendship. And we heard about that though, time and time again to kind of there shepherd this process along. And when Scott Walker is, he's not, he's not governor anymore. He's he's sitting at home and he doesn't have any clout at all anymore as it pertains. To this, in the hard and fast future of Foxconn, and how much does that shake Terry Go? How much does that make the the brass at Foxconn nervous? I don't know that Tony Evers winning back in November precipitates a decision to no longer produce LCD panels in Mount Pleasant. I I, I don't. I understand why people would say that, but I don't quite see the. I can't connect those dots to a loss, to a hard and fast decision to... I mean, Evers had said they were going to let things play Tony out. Tony Evers was... When, when you watched the Democratic primary, and I watched... What did they have? Three debates when there were a dozen people on yeah, stage. You were the guy. I was the one on that Friday <laughs> night. I'm so pathetically lonely. I was watching on that Friday night the debate. And I, I, I don't know how the question was asked, but it was something to the effect of how many of you would work to stop the Foxconn deal? How many of you would work to do what you could to put the brakes on the deal? And I'm pretty sure Tony, it was one of those raise your hands if you're going to do it. And I'm pretty sure 
I know he didn't, that Tony Evers did not raise his hand. And I don't know that everybody else did, but I, I, I'm pretty sure they did. I remember coming away going, okay, Tony Evers appears to be, and I, I, I believe this, of everybody up there on that stage, Evers appeared to me as to be the most realistic, level-headed Democrat when it came to how am I dealing with Foxconn? How are we going to work through this deal? This is going to be the law of the land. There were others like Matt Flynn who was going to sick every attorney on to, to the Capitol and try to break apart the Foxconn incentive package with his legal teams and stuff. Evers was the most reasonable candidate up there, up there on the stage that said this is likely going to happen and I don't know what ex- to what extent we can stop it anymore and we should give it a chance and I'll examine it and whatnot. So... He's been a pretty level, no matter how you feel about him, he's, when it comes to Foxconn, Tony Evers has been a pretty reasonable person as it pertains to the package and what he would do or would not do if he were elected. And he obviously has been. It's 157. Scott Warris and Eric Bilstad in for Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. One more hour to go. Scott Warris, Eric Bilstad, and Jordan producing the show. Jeff Wagner is off, and he'll be back on Monday. We are taking you through the coldest day in many people's lives, 1996, right? That's uh, the last time it was this mm, cold. Yes. And the record is 23 below. That is the coldest day on record in Milwaukee. We won't the get coldest there. temp. Yeah. No, we. <laughs> it's okay, fine, Eric. <laughs> we won't get there. We're, fine. We're, right now, only at 13 below. Might make it to 20 below at some point, but. Um, right now on CN, I'm telling you, people. You, you don't just rely on headlines. CNN's headline right now, and now they <laughs> they change it for me. Foxconn may not build ten billion dollar facility that Trump touted. That is just not true. That's just false. I, wow, I mean, I'm not surprised, but that is not true. Nothing in what was announced today tells us that the footprint of that facility is changing. The jobs goal by the end of next year has changed. Yes, I said it's not a good day for Foxconn from a marketing PR standpoint. And the type of jobs that are being created by the end of next year, that has changed. The manufacturing, the assembly line positions, it's going to be more R&D Research and development job, white collar, but it's just, I mean, it could it be more blatantly wrong? And I just, it again, it's a reminder, be critical when you consume the news and you consume things. It's just, it, now more than ever. Um, I just wanted to make this point. We uh, received earlier this week, the yesterday in fact, the criminal complaint. Uh, against uh, Kenneth Freeman. Freeman is the individual that is uh, charged with uh, the murder of Carly, and it's pronounced Bowden, right, uh, Eric Bowden? Yeah. Carly Bowden. Um, and I know you and Steve were talking earlier on, on your guys' show about uh, the the safety measures at Freighter and in the the parking garage there. And, it's, and I'm not going to read the criminal complaint. You can. It's out there. It's not good. It's pretty gruesome, actually. And to the credit of Freighter, they're now stepping up some security measures and whatnot, and uh, and, and rightfully so. Unfortunately, 
when I read the criminal complaint and I read about this just horrible thing that Kenneth Freeman did, I don't know that any reasonable security could have stopped it. I, I really don't. He stalked Carly Bowden. He had been a, a valet worker there in the parking structure for several months. He stalked her. He hunted her down after she left work in the parking garage. He attacked her. He put her into a car, drove her to a top level of another structure there on the campus grounds of Freighter, and left her to die if he hadn't killed her already. And yes, and, 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 and we all wish that there would have been a security guard who would have been maybe passing through or one of those security vehicles making the rounds at the time when Kenneth Freeman first confronted Carly Bowden and she could have maybe flagged down the security guard. But shy of a coincidence like that, I, I, I don't know how much more thorough a security situation could have been set up to prevent this from happening. And I hate to admit it, I really do. But for and to the credit of Freighter, they're stepping up security and they're, they're saying we're going to um, add cameras and added security and, and do all they can to ensure the safety of everybody, employees or otherwise, everybody on that massive campus. And it is a remarkable, <laughs> it's a remarkable little village there. But if there's anybody out there who looks at this, who reads the details of what happened and and says Freydert is wholly responsible because they didn't have a because they didn't have a level of security that would have prevented it. I, I I can't agree with that. I just can't. This is an evil, demented man. I I don't know the motivations yet. It it's it, well we'll find out when the trial unfolds, but Initially, when I heard it, you say, why in the world wasn't this stopped with security? But when you read the criminal complaint and you understand how he did it and what he did and his stalking and his hunting of her down and his hiding behind pillars to jump out at her, follow her to her car, and then shove her into a car, that can happen so quickly. I don't know that any security, shy of, like I say, a security staff member driving through at the time, right, Shy of that, and unfortunately that didn't happen, I, I don't know how this could have been stopped by it. It's just, um, it's an instance where evil won out, and um, sadly that happens in, in, in society from time to time, and now we try, those of us who have to now consume it, we try to make sense of it all, and you really can't. Uh, you just hope that uh, justice for uh, Carly Bowden now with Kenneth Freeman heading to trial and he'll be behind bars until this uh, trial commences. But security can help, perhaps. But I don't know that it would have prevented this. It's 216. Scott Warris and Eric Bilstead in for Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 219. Uh, the text from a 414, going back to Foxconn, text from the 414 says, Why do you think this is the end of the changes? I get you're just reporting the facts. But don't you see the tea leaves reading the wrong way? Another 920. How do you know they're going to follow through with this big building? That might, They might change that yet, too. You're right. We don't know. I, I sleep better at night knowing that there are the clawbacks 
in the incentive package that will protect me and you as a taxpayer when it's all said and done? We don't know. I would say that I can't... I would say, I had to think about it there for a second, I can't imagine them building that Foxconn campus, let's call it a campus, all of that infrastructure, and then not fill it. I suppose it's possible. If they're going to invest that type of money in constructing, now they could certainly change, that wasn't announced today. That's what's been my gripe with the headlines. They have not changed the footprint of the grounds. That is still moving forward. But if at some point, they, at the point they finish everything, what would they do? Leave things empty? And walk away? I, I just You're been, right. Look, anything can happen. Anything can happen. But we sleep better knowing that we have certain provisions in that financial package that protects us as taxpayers. After that, it's uh, Foxconn's money. What do you think about the, 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 uh, the point? Uh, you guys raised it this morning with Scafidi. What do you think about the point that the north-south interstate project there, an I-94 north-south, was fast-tracked because it was supposed to help the Foxconn traffic fast-tracked over maybe other projects in the area and in the state that others found more pressing? Does that bother you? Does that stick in your craw? Well, I could see why it would bother somebody. When you have plenty different areas in this state, across the the entire state, not just in southeast Wisconsin, that are in pretty rough shape as far as the roads go. And here you have this one stretch. Now, granted, that stretch is used a lot. So it's not like it's just for Foxconn. And it was on the docket. It was just sped up because of what was happening. I mean, I can can understand that argument. I can understand why someone would be frustrated by that. So we're at 13 below right now. Um... You said you don't have a dog. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't. I had a dog when we were kids. I don't have a dog anymore. I heard on uh, Wisconsin's Morning News today that they had a veteran, uh, a veterinarian on. Yes. To talk about how do you, how do you maintain your pets? Yep. They got to do their th- your dogs especially your dogs specifically. Let's be honest. If if you have a cat, they're not going outside. You're not walking your ferret here in this time of year anyway. People do that, by the way. <laughs> Every once in a while, in or the a, summertime, you'll see somebody with a ferret on a leash or a bunny. Who, just hopping along. Who walks their ferret? Um, what do you do if your dog? What do you do if your dog doesn't go outside? Do you just kind of what, what set up a little bit of a of a, of a couple of boxes yes. and you block off and you just say, "All right, Fido, if you're gonna go, you go be, right there." That has what? to be so confusing for the dog too, because they've grown up learning to go outside, and then you've they look trained at you, them. Like, what do you, you? You really want me to go here? And you probably have <laughs> reprimanded them yes. for doing what you're now asking them or expecting them to do. You're messing their, with their mind. Their business in your house. Now there are special, like um, it has a name, special floors like mats that you can have that are for dogs who. Can then just go on that mat instead of like. Do you have to train them to do that then? Well, I I bet you would have to, yeah. You'd ring the bell. No, right here. (laughs) But the outside thing, it's really an issue because they don't want to go outside at all. Once they feel it, it's like, what? No, no, I'm not going out there. And then they hold it. And that's an issue too. You have dogs afraid of getting hurt or getting reprimanded, and you have them holding in. Hey! Yeesh. So you just put them there on the landing outside the door or inside the door and say, okay, Fido, do your business right there. Mm-hmm. 
And then you brought up the point about the ears, which yeah. I would have never thought about. Dog's ears in this case. Cow's ears, pig's ears. Name the ear. Now, the farmer told us that cow ears, nah, they'll be all right. Got plenty of blood up there. But doggy ears, some of the little tiny doggy ears? They can that, break off? Yeah, well, I, didn't, I don't know about that, but it can't be good. Somebody said, take four old socks, cut them to fit your dog's feet. Tie with a string, and they'll be fine in the snow to do their job. Well, it's not the snow. It's, it's the cold. I mean, I get the fact you can shuffle out a little spot for them to go. Put some hay down. Snow. Yeah. They'll say. It's so cold. Here's one for you. I we were talk, were you in the conversation in the hallway earlier? We were discussing not that thing. I know what you're thinking. I'm going to bring <laughs> up. It's not that. <laughs> it's not that. It was an off-air conversation in the hallway we had earlier today. We will not be doing that on a fifty thousand watt radio station. Um, would you pick a stranger up and take them to wherever they were going if they were walking in the general direction of your car on a morning like this. You know what? I thought about that yesterday. I drove, I drove past a guy on Port Washington Road who had just crossed the street, and he clearly was walking. You know, It wasn't like going to the bus stop or you know, going to a car. He was clearly, clearly taking the stretch of road for a walk. I thought about it for half a second. I'm like, man, I should really just get him in that car here and drive him three extra blocks or wherever, how far he was going to go. Hmm. And I did not do that. As I you got didn't. On, I did not. I got on 43 and drove off. And, and I, haven't thought about him until right now. <laughs> until I did think it did cross my mind. Hmm. I've got a story about that. Would you do that? Because I, I thought about it this morning as well. There was Right out here in Capitol, there was somebody walking in the street. The sidewalk must not have been fully cleared. They were walking eastbound. On Capitol, in the street, I say in the curb, but the curb is non-existent right now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the street. And it was, at that point, 16 below and, you know, 30, 40 below with the windshield. What would it take for you to pull over and pick somebody up and just kind of be an impromptu Uber? Would you be an impromptu Lyft driver for the day, for that person, out of the kindness of your heart? 414-799-1620. As we're discussing this cold weather, um, <laughs> Eric and I got on the topic of uh, what would it take for you to just pull up and pick somebody up, stranger, complete stranger, who you clearly see is, if not struggling, uncomfortable, right. walking wherever right. they're going. Even if they're, I even thought this morning at an intersection, the guy was waiting for a bus, and the bus wasn't on the horizon. I thought... Well, look, if if he's on a bus line, how far can he be going? Should I just pick him up? Now, who's to say he would want to get in the car? That's the other question. What if you were the person waiting and some stranger pulled up and said, Hey, buddy, get in my car. I'm good. I would say I'm good. Even if it's 16 below and 40 below with wind chill. (laughs) No, I'm good. I'm I'm good. Oh, okay. Here we go. Wait, here we go. Ah, a good Samaritan in Fond du Lac. Pam, you're on WTMJ. Hi there. You did this. I did this yesterday. Tell us about it. I was it. driving near the, the mall in Fond du Lac, and there was this girl trudging her way through the snow. It looked like she was having some problems, mm. and there were a lot of cars just driving by, and it just kind of did a little calculation in my head. Likelihood of me ending up killed or her ending up dying on the walk, and I figured more likely she was going to die than me getting killed. So I picked her up. She was on the phone. I told her to keep on her phone, so... You know, but she said she felt safe, but she stayed on her phone. We didn't have to take her very far, but I just couldn't imagine driving past her and finding out 
Then there's this body that was picked up later in the day. Wow. So so there was no hesitation on her part? No, there wasn't. There should have been. But <laughs> Why do you say there should have been hesitation? Like you said, I, I'm not sure that I would have accepted the well, ride. But that's what I was going to say. Different yeah. world we live in now, yeah, No, I know, I know. It, had you ever done that before, Pam? A long time ago, I picked up an old lady yeah. walking in the winter in some some slippers and a nightgown, but Oof. I had a car full of people with me, so I wasn't the only one. Right. And we took her to the hospital right. that day. Well, good for you, Pam. Uh, tip of the cap to you for that uh, good gesture. And do it again next time. It's warranted. And um, she made a, you know, she she said, stay on the phone, which reassures that person getting oh, in the sure. car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I'm talking. I'm getting in the stranger's car now. Uh, I'm going to stay on the line. So this was two summers ago. I know we got to get to news, but let me just share this real quick. Two summers ago, summer, summer, um, driving down Greenfield near State Fair Park right alongside State Fair Park. And all of a sudden, it was just a torrential downpour. And that's not a, co- uncommon. It, it pours. Sure. And, yeah, and yeah. there's more people on the sidewalks. There's more people waiting for buses. It was just, I think it was maybe around 4 or 5 o'clock. So people were getting off of work. They're out and about, whatever. And what happened in the rain, suddenly, uh, hail. Just chunks of ice. A hailstorm just you know pops up in the okay. middle of this, this storm. And, they, and I'm telling you, I, there were people on the sidewalks, and they're running into stores and, and trying to get underneath awnings and, and rooftops because they're just, I just remembered massive pieces of ice falling. Well, there's one guy, and, and he's, he's waiting for a bus, and I was stopped at a light, and he was about a half a block up, and I see him. He's, he's got his jacket, and he's trying to put his jacket up over his head and protect himself from the hail that's falling. It wasn't working, and I'm like, all right, this is it. So I drive up, roll down the Hey, buddy, get in. Come on. I'll pr-. He didn't even think twice. Gets in my car. I look at him. He is bleeding because the hail had cut him across his nose. Oh he has goodness. blood running down his face, and I had some paper towel in the back. I'm I gave it to him. Something. He's sopping up the blood, and I drove him to his apartment, which was maybe half a mile away. It was right kind of on, on the Greenfield route, so okay. it was... It, it 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 made me feel really good, but myself no. But I think look, there are certain situations we can help each other out. Now, certainly, you got to be safe. I realize, and it's how sad is it to say about society now? It you, mm-hmm. it might be more dangerous than not. But it's every once in a while, if you feel safe about it, it was in the middle of the day. It was you know in the middle of the night, and it's raining, and there's a person waiting for a bus. Maybe not, but there's a time and a place for humanity to win out and. If you find yourself so motivated today or tomorrow or the day after, um, so be it. If it's Sunday and it's 44 degrees out and you're just, then probably you don't have to do it. But. Don't drive up to uh, kids playing in their park somewhere. Hey, hey need a ride? That's when you yes, say no to that. That will get you in yeah. trouble. Gosh. It's 2.33. has told me to do it. <laughs> that guy in the blue car. Oh, yeah, there's a time and a place. 2.38. Scott Warris, Eric Bilstad, Jeff Wagner off the Wagner List show the rest of the week. John Mercure, Melissa Barclay, Wisconsin's Afternoon News coming up at 3 o'clock. I know John has been working the Foxconn story and a few different angles to this. And he'll have the very latest coming up after 3 o'clock. I want to just give a shout-out and kudos to Tom Hodricourt of the Journal Sentinel, who yesterday 
uh, published a piece on JS Online entitled, Let's Clear Up Some Confusion on the Miller Park Name Change. I wasn't here last week when this story broke and all the uproar. I feel like things have somewhat simmered or simmered, have settled down after simmering last week. Would you agree? Yeah, but there are still several people upset about it. Should they be? I I don't I, no. I I you know what I'm I understand people's passion but I I think sometimes we get a little too worked up over things that really aren't that important as far as it comes to the success of the team. People don't like change, right? Change is is hard for people. Mm-hmm. And this is a change. Still a couple of years yet. The other point and I I'm sure others have made it as well. I'm not the first one here. I just I wasn't here last week to make the point. We as in this state have been so very fortunate to have our sports facilities largely be called what they're called forever. <laughs> our entire lives, it has been Lambeau Field, mm-hmm. and it always will be. Oh, yeah, never so. Lambeau Field. Remember, there was a there was a while there where maybe it's going to be, you know, Lambeau Lambeau Field at Harley Davidson Stadium or, or Harley Davidson State. You know, there was going to be eight. Yeah. That never happened because they got the revenue they wanted through other means. They didn't have to sell the well, name. They have right? gates, too. They have sponsors yes. of the gates. Lambeau has always been Lambeau. Even the Bradley Center was still the Bradley Center. You just had BMO Harris yeah. tacked on front. Right. So people still called it the BC, the Bradley Center, even though there was the naming mm-hmm. rights that were tacked on to the front. So they really didn't have to change to that. And Miller Park has been Miller Park since before the stadium was built. Couple years beforehand is when Miller Park or when Miller uh, Brewing pledged that money. So there's a generation that knows that stadium by only one name. You know what, though? I yes, you're right. So people just my my point is we have been very fortunate in this state to have our sports facilities largely unchanged when it comes to the names. So this is not this is not the norm. Is that why though? Is that why people reacted with such? anger and outrage or is it just that we don't like things to change ever? oh no that's number one <laughs> we have this that's weird stubbornness no. here about anything that changes at all and going nuts about it i mean that that's happened remember the remember the gmo <laughs> remember the gmo changed the u.s bank championship people lost their mind i remember being at that news conference and coming back mm-hmm. was working for bill michaels way back oh. a million years ago and like people lost their minds over the fact that the gmo was no longer called the gmo now, now it's gone. I would, they they can call it whatever they gone. want if they just brought it back. But Tom there is Hodge, something to that, though. We have yeah. some weird stubbornness here. Is that wrong? Well, I don't... Is, is why don't we? Why do you... Why, well, well, change isn't a bad thing. No. So why do people equate change with bad? Well, I guess it change seems to turn into anger oftentimes. People signing petitions. People vowing never to buy insurance from AmFam. Like, just some ridiculous comments that you read. It's like, what? Who? Who has such a a visceral reaction to something as silly? To a Madison-based company. Well, something as silly as the name of a... I'll be honest. I still refer to Miller Park oftentimes as the stadium, which I suppose in my subconscious is a reference to County Stadium, yeah. What time are you heading out to the stadium? Everybody knows what that means. People still call, what is it now, Panther? I should know this. <laughs> people, <laughs> yes, you should. People call it, I mean, it's Panther Arena. Mecca. Everyone calls it, it the, the Mecca. Mecca. The Arena. Okay. Okay. Um, Pfizer Forum is Pfizer. I mean, everybody. It's, it's brand it's new. The only, it's right. It's brand new. 
What? Imagine the outrage 20 years from now. <laughs> oh, yes. We should get the petition going now. Get a head start on the petition. Don't change the Pfizer forum name. Anyway, but Hodricourt has a great piece yesterday. I'm sure you saw it. Let's clear up some confusion on the Miller Park name change. And he basically makes the point that he says it became apparent from exchanges over the past week on social media that some fans believe the team treated Miller Coors poorly in agreeing to a new ballpark name he writes deal with American Family Insurance. And he references the petitions, which, side note, come on, people. You got more valuable things to do. Why are you pointing at Jordan? Did, jo- are you on- Did you sign the petition? Are you? I missed this. Did you sign the petition? Are you one of the petition organizers? Get a life. Come on. What is wrong with you? Why did you really sign it? What's the big deal? But do you honestly think that your name on a petition is going to alter a multi multi million dollar? I never di- said that. Then why are you signing it? Putting my voice out there, expressing my opinion, Scott. You're doing that right now on a microphone. So, so are you, so, technically. So you, so you don't like that. So you signed it. Do you honest? You honestly think your signature and that of however many others have done it is going to reverse course? Not at all. Then why I'm just telling it? you I'm voicing my opinion on how I actually feel about the matter of it actually changing its name. Anyway, I'm really disappointed to hear that. Jordan, I'm talking to you on this then. Some folks went as far as circulated petition. To be perfectly clear, Hodger Court writes, and I encourage you to read the piece in its entirety, JS Online. Miller Coors was not an aggrieved party in these negotiations. There's this sense that they were stabbed in the back or that the Brewers and AmFam kind of went behind the scenes and, oh, pulled the rug out from underneath the folk, the good folks and Miller. No, that's not what happened. Miller Coors was not in a position, or they chose not to be in the position of re-upping on the deal. It's as simple as that. And if if you don't believe me, you need not look any further than the fact that Miller Coors and the stadium, <laughs> the Brewers, are still going to have a great relationship. The beer is still yes. going to be flowing. Yep. There will be... There will be Miller advertising, I dare say, in the stadium. It's just not going to be on the outside of the stadium and on all the spots that we've become uh, coming used to uh, seeing it. That's that's the bottom line. Anyway, Hodger Court uh, kind of debunks that myth, and I encourage you to check that one out because he 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 had a nice little uh, conversation with Rick Schlesinger of the Milwaukee Brewers, and and Rick gives some background and backstory to their negotiation and the important timeline of it. I don't have time to get to it all here, but I at least wanted to bring it up. What do you think of Stanley's idea? George Stanley wrote that uh, keep make it Aaron Hank Aaron Park, and then somehow incorporate American Family into that. Let's go to I Hank saw Aaron the Park. headline, but I'll, I'll be honest. Was, it's so dumb. I didn't even click on it. <laughs> Why? Why is it so, so Okay, dumb? so it's going to be, what, Aaron Field at AmFam Stadium? Yeah, like, something, something like, like that. But you would like, call it Aaron Field. I mean, you'd see American Family everywhere, so it would still get its sponsorship. But you would call it Aaron Field. But what is the value of the name? Is it the signage, or is it the fact you're trying to... Get people to call it well, and say your company's name. A little bit from column yeah. A and from column B. But you're right, yeah. You want it you want it heard and said as much as possible. Somebody from the four one four, you guys must be too young to remember City Stadium in Green Bay. How many people are still calling it City Stadium? <laughs> yeah, right. Come on, four one four. 
Who are you? Yeah, I can count on one hand. But yes, you're right. I can, yes, you're right. We are too young. Yes, to answer your question, I can count on one hand the number of people who refer to Lambo as City Stadium. See, that one would be different, though, and I'm not sure why. But if Lambo changed, you'd even have a larger up. If Lambo changed, Jordan, I'm signing a petition with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what Steve said. No. Steve well, said that, though. Why? why? Why would that be different? I, it, I, I agree. It would tick off a lot more people. And just remember, when Har- it was Harley was the rumor, right? It, it was a t- we talked about this when Bob Harlan was out there trying to yep. generate new revenue and get and get the Brown County uh, mm-hmm. uh, sales, the sales tax, tax yep. passed, and that was one of the ideas he had out there: rename Lambeau Field, sell the naming rights to the place. See, Packers are an interesting position though because they can just sell stock occasionally, and they can raise money. I mean, they if I'm not mistaken, they use some stock money to help build that south end zone into what it is today, make mm-hmm. that remarkable now. So if you open the stock occasionally, make some money that way, that helps do some things that you wouldn't get or that you don't get because of a, a sponsorship, and naming rights. You signed the petition. How many, how many signatures do they have? Are you checking that? The last time I checked, I think they had close to 70,000. And what, again, forgive me for asking a question to which I don't know the answer, is there a certain threshold of signatures that something would be triggered? <laughs> What's the, the number? It seems like the number keeps going up on how many to they do what? want. Well, it wouldn't go down. Well, no, but 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 I mean, our no, goal is like how many they want for so what? It for what out purpose? Fifteen thousand, then it went up to like thirty thousand, then fifty thousand, so on and so forth. And then what do you do with that? I, that's a great question. Well, what do you do with you this? Sign the thing. I did, but I told you I just wanted to express my opinion on the matter. That's but all I wanted to do. But what's the goal of the signatures? Uh, well, obviously, it's to change the name or to keep the name Miller Park. No, I know the purpose of the no, petition. He's, he's saying I'm if it saying, got to one hundred thousand, would that actually trigger what something? What does that do? That the brewers would have to react to it, yeah. which they don't. The brewers no. don't have to do anything. I mean. <laughs> But the brewers are very conscious of this. I, you know, they, sure the team they are, knows but... that people are upset about it, and they're trying to make sure that everyone understands what happened here, that this isn't necessarily yeah. some bait-and-switch or a turn-your-back no, on, this on is Miller. All... I mean, it, there's, it's not really like that. And that's exactly why I bring up the Hodricourt piece, because he does clear up a lot of the, uh, the innuendo and I think the rumors, the false rumors, regarding what went on with Miller Coors and the brewers to come to this decision. No, no. I, I'm just, yeah, what? I was going to say, some, yeah. you can make the argument, why does it always have to be about money? You could make the argument that why can't you just have no naming rights and keep calling it Miller Park? I mean, I've heard people question that. Well, well you couldn't do that. Well, yeah, you could. You could just keep calling it Wrigley Field. Wrigley doesn't pay the Cubs for that. But you couldn't... You could argue. You couldn't still call it Miller Park and not have Miller Coors be paying for that. Why not? Otherwise, that's free advertising. Why that's the point that people are making. Why it's do you a need, dumb point. Why do you need to make money off of it, is what people have asked. Well, then why even have Miller on there? Why not just call it Brewers, <laughs> Brewers Park? Because it's already been branded Miller Park. I just... So you We said, have accomplished wait. absolutely nothing in the last 20 <laughs> minutes of radio. You would sign a petition if Lambeau Field changed its name? I, I said that tongue-in-cheek. No, I wouldn't. It would, well, because you know no, it'll never no. happen. It, it, well, I know it'll never happen, and I, I think... We live in, in a real world where dollars matter. You can still call it Miller Park. No, you're right. You're you can right. still call it Lambo if they change the name. The money will be used to better the team, you would hope. Uh, yeah, absolutely. 
Would you rather have the team be bettered for the money that American Family Insurance is giving them? Or would you rather feel good about the fact it's still Miller Park, but maybe they're not getting the money off? And come on. It's a no-brainer. All right. Well, at least we've settled that, everybody. Good job. And, um, yeah. Jordan, can't believe you signed a petition. Here's the thing with a petition like that. The petition to uh, keep it Miller Park. The, 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 the... that only accomplishes one thing. And Jordan said it's meant to voice my opinion if I sign that petition. No, Jordan. It's not meant <laughs> to voice your opinion. You know what it is? It is meant to make you feel better. That's all that petition does. It makes me feel good to sign my name for something that I disagree with, even though that piece of paper is worth a hill of beans. It just it's meant to make a fan feel better. That's all it is, John. I love this. Like, no, Jordan. That's not this it. Is, there's even more outrage with this than I've seen with people upset with the He's name. He's ticked. He's like pacing on the other side I of the just, glass. Is that bulletproof? <laughs> that glass doesn't look very thick. Channel your anger in more constructive ways than a stupid petition. Why do you not like producers to have opinions? I have always been <laughs> Anti a bit. Look, you know why? Because I sat behind that glass for ten years right. and I wasn't allowed to have an opinion. That's oh why. <laughs> because you know why and you know who. I think it's going to be fascinating to watch this play out because people are also obsessed over whether it's going to actually be full on American Family in the yes. title, or because that would be the marketing guy mm-hmm. saying, right, it has to be American Family, but. Is it AmFam something? Amp their, web, their website, Eric, is AmFam.com. It's I'm not even American Family in I'm, their website. So, But they have some time to make a decision, so wouldn't you anticipate them to kind of feel this out, maybe, and even do some polling, if you will, and figure out what seems to work, what would stick, and what would be, quote-unquote, acceptable yeah. to the yeah. fan? A- absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, it's going to be fascinating to keep an eye on that. I know, John, uh, and we'll be back again tomorrow. Maybe we'll <laughs> rehash the petition debate <laughs> Jordan tomorrow. might not be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when it comes to this Foxconn story, and you've been working it for the last several hours, what is the biggest question that you have after what we learned today? The biggest question I have that I don't know how we get the answer to is, when did officials in Wisconsin, like in the Walker administration, know that this was going another direction? Was it before the election? Was it after? Did the Foxconn people not make these announcements until after the election because they wanted Scott Walker to be governor? You don't wake up and make this decision yesterday or even two weeks ago, or I would argue probably even two months ago. This is a big decision if these reports are to be believed in. What's the timing on all of this, and, and what are the ramifications? I've been talking to a couple guys that are really close to the Foxconn project this afternoon uh, who won't go on the record, but on background they've told me some very interesting things about the timing of this, about the mindset of this. This, believe it or not, an announcement that comes uh, three months after Scott Walker lost has a lot to do with Scott Walker, and I will explain that coming up this afternoon on the show. Cold is the other big story. Milwaukee Mayor Tom Barrett is with us discussing that coming up at 3.20 this afternoon, and we check into a homeless shelter at 4.20. The news of the day is straight ahead.